The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon and welcome to America's Web Radio. And we're delighted to have you tuned in today. Uh, we're this afternoon. Uh, looks like we're going to have some weather here in a little while, but uh, we'll, we'll get in remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And we have our host, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Forsberg on the line. And uh, we always start our shows, and we'll do it today. Uh, if they're military-type shows or first responder-type shows, we start them with a prayer. And we'll do that, and we'll be right back with you very shortly. Also, always want to make sure that everybody's heart's pumping and in the right mood. And there's one way to get everybody that served in the right mood. And here we go. This will get you in the right mood every time. Right now. Do you feel like I do right now? Do you feel like I do right now? Motivated. Motivated. Okay, we had to get that Jody in, and uh, we're all, our hearts are pumping, and we're ready to go. Just for you, sir, Philip Farsberg. How are you doing this afternoon, Philip? I'm well, sir. How are you? I'm pumped up and ready to go, and uh, you've got something interesting to talk about, and uh, you, uh, when you told me what you were going to be talking about, it rang a bell, it just, that bell's about as old and cracked as the Liberty Bell, but uh, I remember it, but I don't remember the details of it by any means, so I'm just going to say, Philip, it's all yours. Hi, thank you, David. Um, we're, uh, today I want to talk primarily about the PAC Act, um, or at least the, the first part I want to talk about, the PAC Act. Um, so what happened was uh, Congress finally paid attention to uh, a lot of different interest groups, veterans' interest groups, such as the Disabled American Veterans, the Veterans of Foreign War, the American Legion, and some others. And uh, they, uh, they were able to get uh, consensus on uh, conditions that uh, are, are service-connected uh, or presumed to be service-connected if uh, the, the veteran served 
in certain locations. And this goes now from all the way from Vietnam to uh, the uh, the wars recently, uh, actions in Afghanistan and uh, and Iraq, uh, but not necessarily limited to those two countries. Because uh, there are a lot of ancillary uh, places where our soldiers served in support of those uh, conflicts, and so uh, the the Pact Act. Uh, basically adds a lot of things to the uh, service connection or, or presumption of service connection. Uh, it's, t- it's officially called the Honoring Our Pact Act that was signed into law on uh, August 10th of 2022. Why is it important <clears throat> that it was signed into law on August 10th of 2022? Because there's a provision in the law that says um, they will Pay your uh, pay your uh, benefits, your back pay, to the date of the 9th of August. I'm sorry, the 10th of August, 2022, when it was signed into law. If you file no later than the 9th of August, so you have to get your claim into the VA no later than the 9th of August to get the back pay. Uh, it'll be a year's back pay, and it can, it can be quite significant. Uh, so veterans, uh, a lot of veterans have made claims for these things before, and uh, the, the VA has said, okay, well, sure, um, but um, if you were, uh, you know, they it wasn't by law, these things were not presumptive illnesses for serving in those theaters and uh, now they've got the data and they say yes in fact these are so things have been added even to to uh, Vietnam uh, those who served in Vietnam or other Agent Orange uh, exposure areas and uh, so they've added two things for Vietnam uh, veterans uh, or eight of those who may have been uh, exposed to Agent Orange, and those are uh, hypertension or high blood pressure, and there's something else called monoclonal gammopathy of undetermined significance, and then that's uh, that is abbreviated uh, MGUS or Mike Golf Uniform Sierra for those who may have been radio operators. Uh, <clears throat> So, um, so those two uh, are added for um, for Vietnam era Asian orange exposure. And you have to look at uh, the locations for um, for Asian orange exposure. Exposure. Uh, there's a period uh, if you served in the Korean DMZ. Uh, between September 1967 and uh, September 1970, I believe. Um, any time spent in the Korean DMC, you could uh, you that you have presumption of service connection uh, for for hypertension and the MGUS, as well as all the other legacy Agent Orange things, several cancers, uh, Parkinson's, diabetes. Go to 
va.gov if you need uh, to get that information. Now, um, this also means that those who serve in this desert storm have certain conditions that are presumptive. Um, and uh, let me see where I can go here. Exposures. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, uh, okay. So, burn pit. Burn pit exposures, uh, expense, expense uh, benefits for Gulf War era and post 9 11 veterans. Uh, so, if you were in the uh, areas where they had the burn pits, following things are now presumptive to your service. Brain cancer, any kind of uh, gastrointestinal cancer, uh, glioblastoma, head, uh, head cancer of any type, kidney cancer, lymphoma of any type, melanoma, neck cancer of any type, pancreatic cancer, any reproductive cancer, uh, and respiratory cancers, as well as asthma, chronic bronchitis, uh, COPD, chronic rhinitis, chronic sinusitis, constrictive bronchitis, bronchiolitis, uh, uh, or obliterative bronchiolitis, uh, emphysema, uh, granulatomous disease, uh, interstitial lung disease, pleuritis, pulmonary fibrosis, and sarcoidosis. So, uh, if any of these are, uh, you know, present in your desert storm or, uh, uh, post 9-11 conflict, um, soldiers, they need to file their claims by the ninth, uh, the ninth of August, and of course, that's Wednesday. So you understand, Thursday you won't get any back pay for it. So, um, so um, are you going to have to uh, show them? Where in theater you were? Well, see, that's why that's why they put uh, things on your um, DD two fourteen certain campaign medals, uh, and there may be some folks listening who, for um, secrecy, you know, were in places and locations that are not reflected on any official records and there's ways to deal with that but you have to get your claim in you'll be able to dispute it later if they say well you weren't there but you have to get your claim in by um, the ninth or Wednesday this week Wednesday 9, 9 August get it into the VA system uh, because it, we can fight the other stuff later if they, if they turn it down but um and, and I, I don't want to, by, by give, emphasizing the 9 August deadline, I don't want you to think if you miss that deadline, 
I don't want you to think that you can't file for it. You can file for it, just they won't backdate your pay for a year. Okay? So, now, when veterans start to do a claim, they often are confronted with a myriad of bureaucratic nightmares and uh, demands for information they don't know and all sorts of things. That's why it's very, very important for you to... Uh, for your listeners to go, when you start a claim, go find yourself a service officer from uh, the DAV, the BFW, the American Legion, or you can go to um, your state office here in Georgia. It's called the Georgia Department of Veterans Service. Um, get on the Internet, get busy, start doing this, and make it happen. If you've had a claim that you've put in before, for these things and you were denied um, and you put in your claim by the 9th of August they will back pay you for a year whatever they come up with uh, as far as your rating percentage um, and I mean David I'm all uh, just to make things uh, clear to your audience I'm actually in Atlantic City New Jersey right now uh, I'm at the National Convention for Disabled American Veterans. It's being held uh, here in Atlantic City. And uh, they, uh, uh, so we're learning a great deal of uh, information about things like the PACT Act. In fact, uh, the DAV was probably the most prominent uh, political force in getting the PACT Act signed into law. Um, so, uh, but uh, there are service officers uh, from all those organizations, and if you don't live in Georgia, well, then perhaps um, there are, um, in your state will have a, uh, a bureaucratic agency that is intended to uh, help veterans fight the bureaucracy that is the VA. So... Um, it's really uh, th you know this morning I met a lady and uh, online to get some coffee and she saw my DAV stuff and she said thank you for your service and I said oh well, it was my honor to serve she said um, my husband served in Vietnam I said oh do you still have your husband she said no he passed away a few weeks ago and uh, so I started inquiring, and she said, well, he tried to submit a claim, but he got frustrated, and he, and he was turned away. Um, and this veteran died with diabetes and probably Parkinson's disease, uh, some other thing. And, you know, he, he should have been awarded uh, his claim from the VA. But I said, you know, if you'll give me your information, I'll have a service officer get in touch with you. Because if he passed away from something that's service-connected, she's entitled to what they call dependent indemnity compensation. And uh, that means that she gets a check for the rest of her life uh, because something service-connected took her husband's life. And uh, so... If you're a veteran out there and you're listening and you say, yeah, I got high blood pressure or I've got this, but, you know, it's just because I'm old and uh, 
you know, it's not necessarily from Agent Orange. Well, you know what? If you if you'll sign up and get that uh, get that disability rating, uh, your wife will be uh, better taken care of if you were to die of something like a heart attack or something um, or stroke that's uh, that is related to hypertension. So uh, it's an excellent insurance policy. And if there are wives of veterans listening, then you need to be the motivating force for your husband to go file his claim. Or if there are husbands listening that have uh, wives who are veterans, then you need to be the motivating force to go get your wife's condition service connected. To call a service officer. And they don't charge anything for what they do. And they're very expert in, in getting this done. So... Um, that it's horrible to try to do it alone. Um, and uh, but you don't have to be alone. And at this point, I'll make a pitch for people to uh, go ahead and join the Disabled American Veterans. If you're a veteran, go ahead and sign up for Disabled American Veterans. And uh, if you'd like to join a chapter, uh, I would uh, highly suggest uh, Marietta Chapter 6 in Georgia um, and we are uh, we are a growing chapter and we need uh, volunteers to help us and uh, the, our political strength is basically in our in our membership and our grassroots so uh, I really would like folks to sign up and uh but become members of DAV, become active, find out where your particular service uh, might be of benefit. You know, uh, veterans are amazing volunteers because they know all about service. And uh, they know how to organize. They know how to get things done. And uh, I will say that I just signed up uh, a new member for DAV Chapter 6. Um somebody that I think you're familiar with, David, and maybe your audience is uh, somewhat familiar with uh, Dr. Don Moeller. But Dr. Moeller and I uh, have agreed, first of all, I'm going to bring him to our next convention, uh, August of 2024. He's going to come to our convention in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Uh and uh, we are going to get busy, and he and I are going to go meet with the um, the executive director of DAV in Washington, and uh, we're going to start getting some stuff done. Uh, you know, Doc Moeller has talked to me quite a bit about uh, his efforts to get things changed at the VA, and... Uh, it just happens to be uh, such a beautiful thing that uh, his knowledge and expertise uh, is is excellent in the medical and PTSD arena, but he lacks knowing how to get things done in Washington, which is part of my expertise. So uh, we're going to be a team together and get this done for the VA, for, for our veterans. And... Uh, you know, one of the things they're talking about is eliminating veteran suicide. And I'll tell you what, 
Um, Doc Mueller's got some powerful testimony on that. I wouldn't be surprised to uh, turn on C-SPAN and see Doc Mueller testifying before a House or Senate committee. Uh, and uh, we're going to change things. Um, it's just what we need to do. And the, and the things need to be changed. Uh, I think right now Don has told me that, and correct me if I'm wrong, I may have my figures wrong, but there's over 2 million veterans that he can help that have been denied by the VA their claims for help regarding PTSD. Well, unfortunately, the, the VA's approach on the healthcare side to uh, treating PTSD uh, it pretty much boils down to um, throwing pills at the veteran. And uh, and uh, so they tend to give them more and different combinations of pills and some don't interact well. And, uh, you know, pills are handy things, but um, it's really not uh, what you need uh, for PTSD. Uh, and I'm not a medical expert on that, and uh, but that's why um, that's why we're going to go with Don on, on the medical expertise. Well, you know, I, I have to mention this because I'm so impressed with it that uh, Don is not only an MD, but he's also a dentist. When he came, he was a medic. He's a, a veteran. He was a medic in Vietnam, gets out of Vietnam, comes back to the States, gets his dental degree, license, DDS, and... Um, his whole story is very interesting, but he was insulted by someone and uh, told that he wasn't a real doctor, and so he said, that's it, I'm going to medical school. So not only is he a dentist, but he's also an MD. So he can, there ain't any place on your body that Don Moeller can't practice. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he's a fantastic guy, and well, and also, you know, listening to the last part of his show that was just on, um, he recommended folks to go ahead and and read uh, the Book of Job uh, if they're dealing with PTSD, and um, I'm going to expand on that. Uh, Don and I happen to share. Uh, an identical theology and uh, I would say not only should you read the book of Job but you should read that entire Bible cover to cover and I'll expand that to say if you are not dealing with PTSD you should still read that book cover to cover and I would recommend paying particular attention to the beginning and the ending of the book and um you will. Uh, you should have your life changed by reading that book. By, by the way, that's one area that I left out about Don. He also went to uh, seminary. 
So he can marry you and bury you. Yeah, he's the... Uh, he's kind of like the jack of all trades and master of several. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. He also, he also restores uh, antique military vehicles. Um, so he's uh, quite interesting, quite multifaceted individual. Uh, on that note, let's take our uh, a break right quick, Phil, and uh, we'll right. be back right after this. Yes, sir. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. And this Tuesday we're going to be... Uh Mr. B is going to be breaking down an AR-15, which most of us know as an M-16. And uh, we were we were taught. I don't know about you, Phil, but when I was in basic, uh, we broke it down blindfolded and put it back together blindfolded. And um, they didn't recommend that in the field, but if you had to, you could. And uh, they particularly wanted to make sure you got your parts and pieces back together correctly if you were in a in a hot zone. So, but anyway, we'll be breaking, or I say we, Mr. B, will be breaking down an AR-15, and uh, always an interesting show. And he has the uh, he's been around weapons for so long that he always has the side notes, which I find fascinating. This was done this way because our, there was so much response to this that we changed this. And he has the, the little side notes on all the weapons. that, uh, uh, And he has quite a collection, as a matter of fact. So it, it'll be a very interesting show this Tuesday. And I want to thank all of you veterans and folks that are listening in today and either listen in live are listening or tune in and, and bring up our podcast and our archive shows. We're very grateful to all of the folks that are mentioning America's Web Radio to more and more folks and getting more and more folks to listen. I know I, I speak for Phil on this, and I speak for for most of our hosts that we have and particularly someone like Dr. Don Moeller and myself and we're out to do one thing and that's help the veteran and uh, we also recognize our first responders our EMTs, our firemen police and we're out to help them any way that we can so please pass our name on, and for those that have passed our name on, thank you. And don't forget, if you're at an airport or you're, you see somebody in uniform or somebody that is a recognized veteran, 
buy them a cup of coffee, a drink, a dinner, whatever the case might be. But it'll make you feel fantastic. That I can guarantee you. So thank you for all of your support and passing our name on all the way up to some of the the big hitters. And I, oh, one other thing I want to mention: Lee Greenwood has a program called Adopt a Veteran, and uh, check it out on the internet. And uh, tell Lee we told you to do that. So back to you, Philip. Did we lose Philip in the process? Uh oh, I'm, I'm sorry. When we go to break, I mute myself so you don't have to hear me slurping my coffee. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but uh, you're speaking of musicians. It's interesting you should bring that up because uh, I'll be having a little treat tonight. I will be uh, serenaded by the likes of uh, Gary Sinise and the Lieutenant Dan Band. So uh, that will uh, they'll be performing for our little uh, gala t- this evening uh, here at the Disabled American Veterans uh, National uh, Convention here in Atlantic City. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's very nice. And... Uh, so uh, I'm pretty excited about that. And I'm running into a lot of veterans. You know, the the hardest part for me of being here is when I when I normally when I see a veteran wearing some sort of uh, veteran identifying paraphernalia, be it a hat or a shirt or maybe even a tattoo, uh, I have a tendency to go up and thank them for their service and ask them if they're getting everything that they need from the VA and uh, when I do that uh, they, they start to uh, tell me a little bit about their service or what they think of the VA but, you know uh, when I uh, when I'm here I walk around and of course everybody's wearing DAV paraphernalia and you know Navy and Marine Corps Air Force Army um identifying things as veterans are known to do. And uh, I have to refrain from going up and handing them my card and asking them if they need help for the VA, with the VA because, uh, you know, some of these folks know more than I do about how you get things done with the VA. So uh, that's been, been kind of a challenge. Well, I, I'm going to turn that around on you a little bit, Philip. A lot of okay. folks, a lot of folks, and particularly families of veterans, don't know what they don't know. And that's one of the things we try to do here. And you do a, a good job of it. Um, letting folks know what's available. And, uh, you know, uh, so many families miss the boat with their veteran spouse that maybe has passed away or, or whatever the situation might be, but there are, you know, you you can't do anything about it if you don't know about it. And if you know that you have a relative that uh, fought in Vietnam or or was is a veteran, 
find somebody, a service officer like Philip said, and just say, here's my situation. What else do I need to know? And did you spill your coffee, Philip? Uh-oh, Phil's gone away from us again. Philip, did you spill your coffee? Well, I'm not sure where Phil is. He was going to drink some coffee, and uh, it sounded like he put his microphone into the coffee, and uh, since then, he's on the MTA, and we don't know where Philip is going around Boston. So, anyway, it's so important to get a hold of a service officer. And a family member can do it. The veteran can do it. Whatever the case might be. And you'll, you'll find out so much. And the opportunity of that the government gives you in benefits. So, are you back with us, Philip? Yeah, I'm sorry, David. Uh, my phone, sort of, you're in the middle of the sentence, and suddenly my phone decides to go on strike, but I'm back. Okay, I, th- I thought maybe you dumped it in your coffee. I have not. But I'm going to make myself another cup of coffee while we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we have... Uh, <clears throat> You know, there's so many guys. I, I had uh, my meal last night uh, next to uh, a colonel, uh, retired uh, Army colonel, special operations. Uh, he was uh, in in uh, Vietnam. He was uh, part of uh, Military Assistance Command, uh, Vietnam, MACV SOG, Systems and Operations. Uh, systems and uh, observations group or something like that. Mac Lee Sog. And I'll tell you what, those guys did all sorts of uh, crazy and classified things uh, going up into, uh, you know, some of the things they did. They went up into North Vietnam and uh, Laos and uh, Cambodia and all sorts of places. So, uh, but he, you know, he, did uh, his uh, time in the in the army, and then he uh, he retired as a colonel. O six. I told him I was a telephone colonel. Uh, you know, a lieutenant colonel. It's uh, what we call a telephone colonel. But uh, he um, he was really uh, inspirational to talk to. Uh, it spent many years. His 82nd Airborne Division had uh, battalion, I think maybe brigade command, uh, and uh, he was a very, very interesting guy. And I, I had to tell him that those of us that went to Desert Storm, yeah, you know, I can remember coming back from Desert Storm, and and people were um, people were sort of overreacting, I think, to us coming back. Uh, I was just happy to be out of uh, that whole area, but uh, coming back to uh, the U.S., there were 
parades and ceremonies and marching bands and uh, all this and uh, you know in some cases ticker tape parades but um, I can remember the Vietnam veterans coming up to us and hmm. one shook my hand and he said uh, you did a good job over there and uh, just wants you to know welcome home we didn't get this kind of welcome when we came home and uh, <clears throat> it kind of it kind of got to me because uh, growing up those guys in Vietnam were my heroes and uh, I never had any feeling of uh, of uh, you know wanted to treat them shabbily and uh, and so I told them well I want you to know that a lot of guys that served in Vietnam were there with us in Desert Storm and a lot of guys who served in Vietnam and learned what it was to serve and to fight that trained me and all these other soldiers to do what we did um, in Desert Storm. So uh, if you see a guy wearing a hat that, that proclaims he's a Vietnam veteran or a patch or a, or a shirt or something like that, um, I highly suggest that you uh, go up to him and say, welcome home. Because uh, there was a lot, of, a long time, long time, David, and you remember this. Oh, yeah, very well. Um, yeah, these guys were not, uh, these guys wouldn't wear something like that just because they didn't want the abuse that, that was likely to come with it. And uh, so, uh, so you know, there's your opportunity right there to make up for uh, what people did, spitting on and, you know, throwing uh, things uh, and yelling at uh, these guys that were coming home uh, and, you know, calling them all sorts of uh, horrible names. And, uh, you know, well, that right there, if you've been through the kind of things that many of them have gone through, to come home and be treated like that is pretty awful. And uh, it's pretty shameful for Americans to act like that. So you see a guy wearing any kind of veteran paraphernalia, um, you know, it doesn't take much to just go over and thank them thank them for their service, thank them and if they're Vietnam vets make sure you say welcome home and it's uh, long overdue Phil, would it be a, a fair statement to say that basically the past however many hours you've been in Atlantic City, you've been surrounded by veterans, would that be a fair statement? Oh, absolutely Okay, now and here's your task, and I bet yes, sir. Do you know what it's going to be? You want me to spread the word about your radio station? Well, that, and find that one veteran that can tell <laughs> only one story. Well, yeah, that that would be somebody who was probably a, a poser and not a real veteran because, you know, veterans have one story after another. I guess there, there may be some that, that can only tell one story maybe because they have uh, 
dementia or something, but uh, I'll tell you, they uh, if they got their wits about them, they're going to have a lot more than one story. Well, they have to take a breath or, in between them. Yeah, or you know, they may they may just have one story, and it could start with them showing up for their enlistment physical, and end at their retirement. Uh, so you might, <laughs> you might you might have to sit down because if they have one story, it's going to have many parts to it. One long story. I you know I'll I'll make you a bet too that there's not a veteran there that doesn't remember reception and the first night in the military in the real military as they were about to start their basic. And I'm sure that goes for the Navy as well as, as I know for myself, the Army, you know. And uh, everybody, I think everybody, remembers that first night. Yeah. You know, um, my entry into the Army was kind of... Uh, it was kind of gradual because it started in college taking ROTC courses in the evenings, uh, one or two nights a week. Uh, and I thought they were very interesting. And, uh, and then we started getting into some organized physical fitness training. One day I was going to, uh, I was going to go to, uh, I had one of, one of slot. Uh, for air assault school at Fort Campbell, Kentucky as a cadet. And so they sent me, uh, I was going to college on Long Island. They sent me over to a place called Fort Hamilton, Brooklyn, uh, to, uh, to get my, uh, physical, uh, which was kind of interesting. And then, uh, and then I guess the first night, the first real Army training I had was air assault school at Fort Campbell, and uh, that was quite rigorous. But at 20 years old, um, I was uh, I was ready for that. And a mere two years later, I was a brand new out of the box second lieutenant. Showed up at Fort Beginning, Georgia. Oh, we <laughs> used to call the Benning School for Boys. It's now. Uh, now Fort Benning has been renamed Fort Moore uh, after uh, Hal Moore, who was the uh, the commander of the first first battalion, seventh cavalry uh, in the first cavalry division of Vietnam, and uh, his his story is pretty uh, pretty interesting. It's come to life. Mel Gibson uh, portrayed him in that movie. Uh, we were soldiers, and. Uh, Here's an interesting story. I was nearly uh, selected to be in that movie. It was being filmed down at uh, Fort Benning, and uh, they needed Hueys, and the Army had gotten rid of most of their Hueys. But I happened to be at that time in the Georgia National Guard, and I was a Huey pilot, and I nearly got selected, but they, they picked somebody else. Uh, mm. So close yet so far away. Speaking role. 
So let me ask, with your experience in flying and helicopters and so forth, is there any other helicopter to your knowledge or any other (laughs) flying machine to your knowledge that is any more distinct than the Huey? Um, you know, the, the Huey does have a very distinct sound. Uh, and in aviation, you know, there are some aircraft that make quantum leaps. And uh, the Huey is definitely one of those. Uh, my other examples might be um, the DC-3, or the Army call it the C-47. Uh, one that dumped the paratroopers out over Normandy. Um, there's the C-130 Hercules made right down the street from me there of Lockheed Martin in uh, Marietta, Georgia. Um, of course, the, the Black Hawk is now coin of the realm. Uh, the Apache's going to be around for a long, long time. I would say, uh, you know, the F-15, the F-16, uh, really fantastic aircraft um, and of course not to be forgotten the uh, Boeing's CH-47 Chinook helicopter it's, uh, just such an amazing um, just an amazing uh, aircraft I guess, uh, I guess I want to expand on my question Can, uh, do you think there's any other Aircraft that put a grin on so many faces, particularly in Vietnam, when the wounded heard that of the of the Huey coming towards them, they knew they were going to be rescued. And I, I mean, can you think of any other? Helicopter or any any other aircraft that would be have, have, have such a responsibility and the and the pilots the dust off pilots I just can't give them enough appreciation and credit for what they did in um, and um, the lives it was a whole. The Huey made it a whole new ball game on saving lives. Yeah. Uh, the Huey was a, just an amazing aircraft because, you know, it was part cheap, part truck, part ambulance, uh, part uh, weapons platform, and uh, just, uh, yeah, it's the workhorse. And, of course, it's the... Uh, It is the uh, the iconic aircraft of the uh, of the Vietnam War. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, but you know, I went to Vietnam in February. You may know, David. Yes, sir. Uh, with with an outfit called Healing Hearts Vietnam, and uh, a charity that I wholeheartedly endorse. Um, but uh, the uh, 
the I went well, I was in Saigon. By the way, the people in Saigon do not refer to the city as Ho Chi Minh City. They call it Saigon. It's called Saigon, which in Vietnamese means good cotton because uh, the Saigon River flows through it. And so, uh, anyway, they uh, <clears throat> these people told me, uh, uh, a lot of them told me without uh, hesitation that um, that they really wished the Americans had stayed and prevailed in Vietnam. Um, they didn't really like living under the government that they had. But uh, but I'll say that um, uh, in their war museum, their war remnants museum, which is very close to where I stayed, um, they had um, they had uh, a, a Huey in there, and of course they painted they painted the 101st Airborne Division you know, symbol on the tail. Uh, but, of course, they would not have captured that aircraft from the 101st. And, in fact, they were quite quite frightened of the 101st. Um, but uh, the uh, they had it there basically to, you know, show, even, even to the communists that eventually took over that country, the Huey was uh, was an iconic aircraft of, of that conflict. So, uh, yeah, I uh, really really enjoyed my time in Vietnam. The people there uh, were wonderful, loved Americans, and the last thing in the world they wanted to talk about was the war. Hmm. And I'm sure they. Uh they too had some stories that their families had passed down to them of things that we might have wanted to hear about and other things that we definitely did not want to hear about. I yeah. think, um, you know, I feel kind of sorry for those folks, what they had been through. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I guess... No war is a clean war by any stretch. War is hell, as they say. But I think probably Vietnam was the first really nasty war. Even even Korea wasn't like Vietnam. And the atrocities that happened in Vietnam that you know, are still affecting us today. The The soldier that served in Vietnam may all of a sudden have PTSD. He always had it coming back. It just hadn't broken out in his system yet. But I would say that uh, Vietnam was probably the dirtiest war that you know, all wars are hell, but it had to be right up there at the top of the... We saw there, you know, our veterans saw things there that 
they had never seen before and really I don't think had really been trained to accept what they were going to see and then then you add the jungle to it and that puts a whole new world into it yeah um yeah it's very uh very sad uh what happened over there uh you know, no, nobody's more anti-war than the soldiers. But they they understand what is uh, the urgency to fight, and so they're they are uh, dedicated to what they do. And so. Absolutely. Very. But, uh, you know, I'll say, uh, if if there's anybody out there who would like to join DAV, uh, go to, uh, DAV.org slash warrior. And, uh, you'll, uh, you'll be, uh, directed how to, how to get in there and join the, uh, the DAV, and you can start making a difference for veterans, for your fellow veterans. And just to add one quick note, side note, you will be surrounded by true heroes. Others may proclaim to be heroes, but those that have have listened to somebody like Phil or a first sergeant or whoever may have said or yelled, hit it, and you're surrounded by people that know what that means. And they raise their hands and or their hand and they perform. And you, you can't beat being in the company of a bunch of veterans. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that, David. You know, um, people talk about, you know, the black community or the Hispanic community. or But uh, my community is our, our veterans. And uh, I just feel so much better when I'm around them. And um, <clears throat> so... Um, I think uh, if your listeners uh, are interested in, in getting involved with veterans, uh, DAV, I can think of a better place than DAV. And, uh, you know, you just, uh, you can really make a difference. And you, you'd be surprised if you get involved uh, and start serving, you'll, you'll be surprised at how quickly that whole um, ethos of service comes back to you and how easily you get in the groove of serving. Uh, and and the sense of fulfillment that you'll have from doing it. Uh, the, uh, uh, just the story that I've heard now, we had, you know, here we had uh, one of our speakers 
was from the defense POW MIA um, accountability agency uh, out in Hawaii, and they, uh, you know, they're still finding the remains of uh, of our servicemen and getting them identified and getting them back with their families. Uh, you know, there there was one on Memorial Day, young man. I think he might have been. He joined the army when he was 16 because his parents, uh, his mom had, uh, fudged his, uh, paperwork and he, uh, he wound up, uh, winning the Medal of Honor, uh, for his service in Korea. Unfortunately, it cost him his life. Uh, but he, uh, it finally got his remains identified and the, uh, they buried him at our national cemetery in, uh, in Andersonville, Georgia, this Memorial Day, uh, veteran of the Korean War. Now, do you know Rick Wise? I too know Rick Wise. You know where his son is, don't you? Graham? No, tell me. Graham is the commander of the Pacific Armed Forces and, uh, stationed in Hawaii and, uh, Bumped up. Uh, I think he's got his star now, and uh, he's he's the head honcho in the Pacific. Oh, wonderful! Yeah. Oh. Well, um, of course that uh, that agency, the Defense uh, POWMIA Accountability Agency, is, uh, is located there in Honolulu. Uh, and also, uh, one of our speakers was from, uh, the American Battlefield Commission, uh, about ba- American Battlefield Monuments Commission. We're, we're and, gonna uh, have to end it on that note, Phil. We have right, run then. out of time. Thank you so Sorry. much for today, and, uh, you know, we'll continue this. This is interesting. Okay. Talk to Thanks, you soon. David. Thank you. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.